Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today for a topic that will affect everyone who plans to live to retirement age. As you likely know, we had planned to share this topic with you on February 8th, but the gremlins had different plans. Both our guest and I just kept getting the same message that no show was scheduled. I'm confident that it was worth the wait. And today, we will have that show. The title of our show, Retirement Insecurity. It's a reflection of what I hear from listeners and others I talk to. Regardless of their age, people seem to be concerned that retirement is not what it used to be. Even investors who have accumulated significant assets express a concern that those assets may not be sufficient to cover their costs if they, they or their spouse live well into their 80s, 90s, or 100s, and those probabilities are rising. Very seldom is there concern about the buying power due to, to what I'd call this inflation related to everyday expenses or even travel expenses. Now, this is especially true with the current low oil prices consumers are benefiting from. Our monthly budgets seem to buy far more than they did in the past, at least in the recent past. A clear exception being the hundreds of thousands of people unemployed because they worked in the oil industry. Just like every cloud having a silver lining, the good news many of us experience, like low oil prices, in essence is our silver lining has a cloud negatively affecting others. Low oil prices are an obvious example in a recent one. So let me pick an industry which our sponsor is involved, the housing market. When the housing market crashed in 2007, thousands of developers, real estate investors, realtors, mortgage brokers, and of course real estate speculators saw their jobs or assets go up in smoke. The silver lining was that anyone planning to buy a home and still had a job had a very large selection. Housing prices were dramatically lower than even 10 years earlier. Now, recently, housing prices have risen significantly, so those who were enveloped by that earlier cloud now see a silver lining. Of course, that means home buyers and tenants are now seeing clouds all around them. See, housing prices, both for buyers and tenants, are rising, and in some cases, very rapidly. Suddenly, we find, and I'm just going to check our, check our chat window, so my apologies here. Um, I want to make sure that is, I hear it is up. I just haven't uh, refreshed so that I don't see it in front of me. But anyway, um, as I mentioned, those prices are now 
rising rapidly. Similarly, we can find hundreds of other industries where some are facing clouds and others seeing silver linings, although today we'll talk about what may be the only exception, certainly an exception I can see, an industry where the vast majority of people see lots of clouds on the horizon. We can't seem to find many beneficiaries from that pain. Are you curious what that exception is? Well, there's no reason to keep you in suspense. It's healthcare costs. Any part of the world I visited or talked to, people living there seem to be kind of following up on the same common theme. Healthcare costs are rising. Yes, we make a step forward in medical advances, but healthcare costs seem to go up five more steps. I'd be interested in your and our other listeners' perspective on who's benefiting from these rising health care costs. While most of us are negatively impacted by those rising costs, who do you feel is benefiting? It's not doctors and healthcare professionals. They're unhappy leaving their professions. The drug companies are under constant pricing pressure from the insurance companies. Insurance companies don't seem to be any more profitable than in the past, so who's benefiting? Maybe the government, or maybe lawyers are benefiting from all those malpractice suits. We certainly don't expect to solve that dilemma and disperse all of those gray clouds during this show, but we hope to hear, share some information with you that will help you better cope with those rising health care costs, especially after retirement when your income is much harder to increase to compensate for the higher costs. Now, by the way, you may have heard about the financial problems in Puerto Rico, and the Puerto Rican government's proposal to erase half of the debt and interest payments on that debt. I know many of you are thinking, I'd love to buy that eraser. Have you thought about who that would negatively impact if that debt were reduced? Well, it turns out it's the same group who have been negatively impacted by low interest rates since the Great Recession, and that's savers and conservative investors. If you have money invested in tax-free bonds, there's a very good chance the bonds you hold has significant exposure to that Puerto Rican debt. Some retirees who are faced with rising health care costs could actually get a decrease in income from their bond funds. I think the technical term for that is a double whammy. Now, whether you're on the U.S. West Coast or, or in Arizona where I am and you're sipping a cup of coffee, the U.S. Central Time Zone, like our guest, and you're in the middle of your morning, you're in Europe ending your work day, you're somewhere in between, or you're listening to the archive of the show, I know you'll be glad you joined us for this hour. Now, if you're living in other parts of the world and not directly impacted by the U.S. healthcare system, it'll give you a great opportunity to contrast, and I'd be curious whether you'd rather keep your healthcare issues or you'd be willing to trade them for healthcare issues in the U.S., now, on the Wealth DNA Radio Show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Today is another great example of helping you protect your wealth from the ever-increasing costs of health care. I like to start each show by sharing a quote to set the tone for this show's topic, and here's one I think fits nicely. Nothing that has value, real value, has no cost. Not freedom, not food, not shelter, not Healthcare. Let me repeat that. Nothing that has value, real value, has no cost. Not freedom, not food, not shelter, not health care. The quote is from Dean Dean Kamen, an entrepreneur and investor inventor, excuse me, an entrepreneur and inventor. Now, if you're not familiar with who he is, 
Uh, he's just about to reach re- retirement age. And, by the way, his best invention is the Segway. After thinking about this quote, I realized we need to raise the price of this show. So as of our next show in March, we will double the cost of listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We used to make the content available for free. As of our next show, it will be double that. And I'm absolutely convinced, due to the great information we provide, we won't lose a single listener after we double the price. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2016. It is 9.07 a.m. in Arizona, 10.07 a.m. in the U.S. Central Time Zone. It's the only day ever like it. We'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Now, if you didn't receive a reminder of the show, you should connect with us on Twitter or Facebook where we post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald put together as a single word. And for our listeners in the 48 of the United States, that reminder um, that you will be listening at a different time because you'll be changing your clocks. Now, we'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you and for the example on the clouds and silver linings. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air. But if you miss a show like our last show on entrepreneurship with Jim Beach, a great show in my humble opinion, you can find them in the archive. Just go to www.wealthdna.us. We list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, I welcome your comments and questions during the show. We recommend using the chat window below the radio player. And if you haven't done that, scroll down there. You can put in some questions easiest way since we always have lots of questions for our guests and you also could call in 917-388-4162 that number is shown at the top of the internet screen now since our last show the u.s u.s equity markets are up a little less than one percent and despite all the gray clouds since the beginning of the year the price of oil is up today so the u.s markets off to a very positive start asia was up Europe, which closes shortly, is up over 1%, and Brazil is up strongly, over 3% last time I looked. Our guest today to discuss retirement insecurity is Danielle Kunkel. She is a founding partner of Boomer Benefits, a health insurance agency. Danielle specializes in Medicare-related insurance product, is active member and past president of the Fort Worth chapter of the National Association of Health Underwriters. She's also a Medicare supplement accredited advisor a regular contributor to industry publications on Medicare-related insurance products for consumers. Danielle is well-versed on current events related to health care legislation and its long-term impact on the future of Medicare. She is also a continuing education instructor at the state of Texas, where she teaches a certification course for insurance agents who wish to enter the Medicare insurance sector. So she teaches the agents. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Danielle Kunkel. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Ron. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, I gave a brief overview of your background, covered some of the aspects of both your teaching and the professional side of things of what you do and helping people. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party? When I meet new people, I tell them that we assist baby boomers with their Medicare. And as soon as you say something like that, immediately there's lots of questions about, isn't Medicare so confusing? And so that's what we do here at Boomer Benefits. We basically make Medicare easy or easier than it might be for someone who's just read the Medicare handbook and is feeling overwhelmed. 
Okay, well, with that intro, I think then uh, that's going to be a perfect intro to uh, to this show, or to, to a perfect uh, uh, opening for me to ask some dumb questions because I've got plenty of them. But let's Fire put away. this topic. It, let's put it in context for all of our listeners, including those living in Europe and other parts of the world. There are several healthcare systems run by the U.S. government. Of course, the VA system has been one of those in the news in the past year or so. But two of them have very similar names: Medicaid and Medicare. So, if we're flying over the U.S. at thirty thousand foot level, explain the missions of Medicare versus Medicaid. Okay, that's a great question and uh, one that we deal with a lot here at our agency because people do use them interchangeably when they're actually two separate programs. Mm -hmm. So Medicaid is a form of health insurance for people that have low income. And this is something that you can apply for at any age. It doesn't require you um, to have paid into any system uh, like we do Medicare. So whether you're 24 or 84, you can apply for assistance um, with your health care costs via Medicaid, and there's means testing there that you have to prove that you're below a certain level of income to qualify for that government help. Mm-hmm. And then Medicare is basically our national health insurance program for retirees. So when we uh, turn 65, we age into Medicare regardless of whether or not we have retired uh, yet or are still working, and also regardless of whether we have um, enrolled in Social Security yet. So you're eligible for Medicare at age 65, and this is a program which provides health insurance for people who are of a certain age. Um, It also does provide insurance for people with certain disabilities that they uh, may have qualified for early income benefits through Social Security. But for most people, we want to think of Medicare as our health insurance program for people age 65 and older. Okay, and since that's our topic and your expertise, Medicare, let's peel back the onion kind of uh, one level uh, and tell us who Medicare covers more specifically. Is it all retirees uh, living in the US, or again, people over 65, all uh, people that are US residents, or is it all retired US citizens, regardless of where they live in the world? So kind of give us that, um, you know, who who really is covered? Is it is it everybody that's in the US, or is it everybody that's a US citizen, or they have to be a resident? What's the what's the uh, okay. the, the threshold there? Sure. So for most of us, as long as you have been working in the United States and you've paid into uh, the Medicare system via your payroll taxes, every time you check out your pay stub at the end of your payroll period, you'll see on there that there's some money that's taken out that goes as sort of paying ahead of time for your future Medicare benefits that you're going to access. And so if you've worked 10 years in your lifetime or you've been married for 10 years to someone who has, then you're uh, paid into or considered paid up for Medicare Part A, which is your hospital insurance. And so those people, when they turn 65, are eligible for Medicare via what they've paid into the system. Um, Medicare is also offered to people who um, migrate to the U.S. who who come here and then after they've been working for a certain number of years, they're eligible to buy into the system. So because they haven't worked and paid those taxes in, they're actually not eligible for it immediately. But after they've been here for a certain number of years and they've paid into the system, they may be able to buy into Medicare Part A uh, hospital benefits and then, of course, also the outpatient benefits, which I'm sure we'll go over in more detail. So it's not just something that you can get immediately when when you first come to the United States, it's designed to be intended for citizens of the U.S. that have um, had the work experience to pay in. 
Okay, so let's say somebody's eligible. They've worked for 10, 20, maybe even 30 years, but they're living outside of the U.S. Are they also covered, and how do they get their coverage? They are covered once they come back to the states and treat. So they can be living outside the U.S. and can continue to be enrolled in their Medicare benefits, but they actually don't have any coverage outside of the U.S. There are certain Medigap programs that you can enroll in that will give you a little bit of coverage outside the U.S., but Medicare is designed to be treatment that you seek and uh, obtain here in the continental United States. Okay. Now, you mentioned this 10-year threshold of, of employment taxes, if you will. So somebody who has been very creative with their accountant and has worked self-employed and has found ways or, or created ways to treat that as uh, passive income or in some way has not been paying those employment taxes, they have hurt themselves and they're not eligible for Medicare as a result. Yeah, most people who are self-employed will actually pay their own Medicare taxes. If somehow you have been outside of that system, then you're right, you wouldn't have paid in. And so at that point, then you would be eligible to buy Part A, which will cost you somewhere north of $400 a month to buy. So it's quite expensive if you haven't been paying into the system ahead of time. Okay. All right. But the, oh, so that's what we mean by buy-in. So in other words, you would be buying uh, Medicare is as much like a like an insurance policy. Okay. It sort of is. That's exactly right. You pay in ahead of time, and also your spouse is eligible for that based on your work experience too. Okay, and that's that's an important point. So a work-at-home spouse, and I want to make sure that's clear to everybody because i got to tell you that is not easy to find anywhere in the literature. Uh, this was one of, one of the questions my uh, my wife had uh, since she is a foreigner and uh, – uh, living here, well, was a foreigner. She's now living here and uh, resident. But uh, so as long as I'm qualified, the, the one of the working spouses has gotten at least their 10 years in of employment taxes. Their spouse is covered, even if they have never worked. So Mitt Romney's wife is covered when he retires. That's correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That was. Uh, I, I. You know. It's so funny because nowhere could we find the real answer to that. It said you have to work for ten years. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, you need to get the uh, government websites corrected. Okay. That's what your job is next. No, just joking. But it is interesting <laughs> that without shows like this, people really have a hard time finding the answers to things like You're that. Absolutely it's, right. It's, it's it's actually scary. But before we dig into more of the specifics, would you share with our listeners how they'd contact you, learn more about Boomer benefits as well as some of the courses and articles that uh, you're involved with? Sure. Uh, we have an excellent website that we've put together with over 200 pages of information about Medicare, and wow. those are designed to address a variety of situations. But there's really a few core pages on the website that are written in a way that are designed to explain Medicare to you in what I consider English terms. We mm -hmm. all get a handbook in the mail when we turn 65, we're first eligible for Medicare, and you open it and you start reading that. It's well over 100 pages, and there's a bunch of terms in there that you don't understand, and people are easily confused. So if you want to be able to learn about Medicare and get that same information, but in a, written in a way that you can absorb, um, a way that consumers can understand, you can visit our website, which is www.boomerbenefits.com to find okay. great information there about the basics of Medicare. Um, your listeners could also call us. We are an agency that works with Medicare insurance in over 40 states. And well, um, you can reach us at 855-732-9055. 
Okay, and we'll make sure we repeat that number again um, before the end of the show. Now, Medicare has been around for quite some time, and as I recall, it's just about 50 years now. Uh, have there been a number of changes in what's covered and who's covered? Uh, for example, you mentioned that some people who had disabilities before may be covered even at a different age than 65. Have those been adjusted, or has it really stayed the same for those 50 years? There has been a number of changes over the years. So it was originally designed only to cover people older than age 65. And the reason for that was you would have people trying to work well into their 80s because they didn't want to lose their health insurance. And at that time, when that happened, you would literally be subject to whatever you could afford during your savings, um, whatever you put aside for savings or whatever your children could help you with. And so this created um, quite a a situation of poverty among our elderly people back in the earlier years. So when they created Medicare in 1965, um, you sign up for Medicare, and Truman was the first person that did so, and he paid $3 for his Medicare Part B outpatient insurance. And this was about 19 million people that were covered when Medicare first came onto the scene. And then in 1972, the program was expanded to cover people with certain disabilities, uh, people with end-stage uh, renal failure who are on dialysis or waiting for a transplant, also people that have filed for social security income benefits and have been on those benefits for two years, then become eligible for Medicare. And, and so that was mm -hmm. added in 72. But the most important and recent change that happened was in 2006, when after more than half a century with Medicare not including retail prescription drugs, the Medicare Modernization Act brought about Part D, which now helps people with getting their prescriptions so that they're not spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year on their medications like they were prior to 2006. Oh, I didn't realize it was that recent. Well, I really am pretty dumb when it comes to Medicare. Okay, we're going to talk about those various parts here shortly because that is clearly the most confusing part, you know, portion of uh, what I hear about. But let's let's go back to the Social Security and Medicare piece because of these changes. Um, they're both benefits for for uh, uh, retirees, and Social Security has various eligibility ages starting at 62, and then it's been phased. It used to be 65, now it's 66 plus uh, up to about 67, and you can continue up through age 70 and get higher benefits. Are, are all of these rules co coordinated? So when you said 65, it really is the same age as Social Security, or are they different ages? They're different ages. So you can qualify for Social Security early at age 62, my understanding, and then your normal qualification at your regular income benefits would be 66 and a half, and you can also delay those until age 70. But with Medicare, you become eligible at age 65. Unless you have a disability that qualifies you earlier, 65 on the dot is your birth month, the first of the month in which you were born, is your time that you're eligible for Medicare. Um, Social Security and Medicare are loosely coordinated in the effect that when you sign up for Social Security, you will be auto-enrolled in Medicare Part A whether or not you need it. And so that is something that can be a concern mm. if someone is still working and contributing into a health savings account because you can't contribute into those if you're enrolled in any part of Medicare. So that way they are loosely coordinated um, because it was originally designed that this would be insurance for people who have now retired. Um, but right. other than that one little rule connecting them, you are going to be eligible for Medicare regardless of whether or not you signed up for Social Security yet when you turn 65. So all the things I learned about Social Security don't help me with Medicare. 
charming. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let me remind our listeners you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you've missed some prior shows, like the one on Social Security we did in the past, uh, which, by the way, has been one of our top shows with listeners, if you want to re-listen to that one or others, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the shows, just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or you can follow The Ronald, all one word, no spaces, on Twitter or Facebook. Now, during the radio show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask some questions. Below the radio player, you're going to find a chat window. And that's the easiest. You can also call in 917-388-4162, and that's shown at the top of the screen. Our topic today is retirement insecurity, which we're discussing with Danielle Kunkel, a VP and co-founder of Boomer Boomer Benefits, an agency that specializes in Medicare-related insurance products. She and her team have helped thousands of Medicare beneficiaries around America to understand Medicare and find coverage that's suitable for them. She really does seem to know a lot more than I do, which is not surprising when it comes to Medicare. Danielle, with Social Security, I get an increased monthly payout if I delay filing. Is there a benefit to delay filing for Medicare? There is not a benefit to delaying filing for Medicare in terms of getting an increased amount of benefits, but there can be a benefit to you financially in terms of If you don't yet need your Medicare insurance because you are still actively working, which as you know, Ron, is a lot the case these days. We have many people who are eligible for Medicare and don't retire until 70 or 72 because they enjoy working and are still able to here -hmm. in the U.S. So when you become eligible for Medicare, if you are still working and you have insurance that is affordable for you, you can delay filing for your Medicare Part B since there's a cost associated with that, and you may not yet want to pay for Part B when your group insurance may already include outpatient benefits. You go to the doctor, you pay a copay. Those benefits are good. If it's not costing you a lot, you could wait to uh, enroll in your Medicare Part B later. What we usually advise, though, is that people speak with a Medicare insurance specialist at that time or maybe even your group insurance uh, agent because you have the option of leaving that insurance to go on Medicare with a supplement, and you're going to want to compare those costs to see which one provides Mm -hmm. you the better benefit for the price that you would pay. So you have an option at that time. Okay, and you mentioned also the HSA, which you couldn't uh, couldn't once you're on Medicare yeah. as well. So there are some 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 factors there. But I've also heard that there's a penalty if you don't. Uh, so if, I guess if if you're not working, uh, if you don't file for Medicare. So if I waited to 70 because I didn't file for Security, I would actually be penalized fairly significantly uh, by not filing for Medicare at uh, at age 65. Is that correct? That's true only if you're uninsured. Um, so if you have what's called creditable coverage. You're working for an employer that provides you group insurance, and that insurance is primary to Medicare. Then Mm -hmm. you can delay for filing for Medicare until you retire. And so that's actually a lot of the people who are just going on to Medicare are sometimes over age 65, and they've delayed their Medicare Part B until such time that they're ready to leave that group insurance. And then they switch over to Medicare primary, and they add the Part B at that time. So there's no penalty for that as long as you can prove that you had other creditable coverage. But if you just turn 65 and you consider yourself pretty healthy and you don't 
decide to enroll in Medicare mm-hmm. and you don't have other insurance that's creditable for delaying it, then yes, there is a 10% penalty per year cumulative wow. for every year that you wait. And if you wait, when you do decide that you need the insurance, there's only certain times of the year that you can enroll in that. And so it may delay when you can actually get that insurance to start. And that could be a real disaster if you developed a health condition um, and then found out that you had to wait eight months until you could enroll in Medicare. Great. I love it. I've saved the government money, and I'm going to get penalized. Charming. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly I won't, right. We won't get into government logic, just like their their website doesn't necessarily explain what happens with working spouses. So uh, we'll stop picking on the government at least for the next two minutes. Uh, we talked about Social Security on a prior show, and just, just you know, kind of t- talked about uh, the the fact uh, that uh, delaying and different options that they could do for Social Security, like they did for raising the age from 65, uh, to help the Social Security trust fund stop running out of money. But I never hear about Medicare trust fund. Does that mean Medicare is spending far less than they're bringing in in these Medicare uh, taxes out of enrollment and employment taxes every year? No, it doesn't. Uh, We see figures come through all the time as an insurance agent that worked with these products. Insurance Mm -hmm. companies put out a lot of information about Medicare. Medicare actually does have a trust fund. That money that comes out of your paycheck goes into the Medicare trust fund, and other types of income may also contribute to that fund. And then that is uh, there for you to draw against and when you get your Part A benefits. And what's happened, though, is in America, at the time that Medicare was first rolled out, we had an average of six workers working and paying into the system for every one person that was on Medicare. Mm-hmm. And today, after the baby boom and now with 10,000 people a day aging into Medicare, we actually only have about three workers paying in. And so the trust fund, the last figure that I saw on a news piece that came across my email was that mm-hmm. it's currently set to run out around 2030. Now, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. accurate because you see lots of wide range of figures on sure. this. But certainly as we have um, less, more people retiring than our aging in and paying into the system, there could be a concern down the road that we may not have enough funds there. Charming. It is, but it is interesting. That's never talked about like this Social Security. I guess it's less of an You're right. You don't hear about or, it very often. Yeah, and, and 2030 is a little, little while away still, so maybe it's because the Social Security is running out faster or sooner. I mean, that's, Probably that's the so. issue. But uh, that's an interesting point. I'm glad you let me know that because I really had you know, never heard about it, so now I can start at least looking for information on that. Now, since this Unaffordable Health Care Act was passed, or often called Obamacare, uh, the cost of my family's health insurance policy has gone up by about uh, 18% per year. And I should disclose, we've never actually used that policy since we've got a $10,000 deductible. Uh, do Medicare recipients also have an increase of cost, or is the government absorbing the, uh, these you know, very high increases in health care costs? They do have an increase in cost. With Medicare, that Part, the part that you pay for Part B is tied to the cost of living adjustment. So if you have a year when no cost of living adjustment happens, then mm-hmm. your Medicare Part B will remain level, and we've seen that happen um, in some recent years. However, when the cost of living adjustment is adjusted, your Medicare Part B can also change, and then the government can also pass legislation. So one of the things they just did recently was that your existing people on Medicare uh, continued to keep their Medicare based benefits for Part B at $104.90. But new people that are aging in are paying $121.80. And so you will see that cost adjust a little bit from year to year. I don't think it's as big as what you normally see on the ACA plans, 
but mm-hmm. that is something that you have to plan for. What you pay when you first get Medicare at age 65, you need to account for the fact that it's going to go up a little bit every year or every few years in the future. Okay, and so those are the kinds of uh, you know historical changes so that if I wanted to do some planning, you'd be a person that might be able to help me with what those increases are likely to be or have been in the past, so at least I can do some sure. projections. All right, so as we live longer and the population growth is pretty low in the U.S., of course it's negative in other parts of the world, the uh, government will have to kind of keep increasing these taxes on um, people that are working or printing more money to cover these expenses. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to impact our health care coverage, correct? Yes, they will. And and one of the things that we've seen most recently with the Medicare Part B is that they've increased the tax or the cost, I'm sorry, they've increased the cost of Part B for people based on their income. So if you have an income that is higher than 85,000 as an individual or 170,000 as a married couple, you get the joyful experience of paying more for your Medicare Part B than everyone else does. And this legislation of the increased amount uh, has gone up in recent years. So the more that you earn, the more that you'll actually pay for those Part B benefits. So in addition to maybe taxes being increased, um, that cost of Part B also has been uh, disproportionately shifted somewhat onto um, people that they consider to be higher income. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the terminology for that is progressive. Okay, we'll uh, leave that for a political topic someday. Uh, now, am I a rare being? Am I am I kind of like uh, the only person you've ever met who's confused about Medicare and and how it works? <laughs> no, I think almost everyone that ages into Medicare is confused. In fact. When I first started my agency back in 2005, we were mm-hmm. helping mostly um, people that were individuals. So before the Affordable Care Act plan, you could uh, you could enroll in individual health insurance if you didn't have an employer that provided that. And we worked with those type of people. And what happened was I kept having adults in, in the age of 40 to 45 age range that we'd be helping that would say, mm-hmm. by the way, now that we've finished my my insurance, do you know anything about Medicare? Because my mom is turning 65 and I mean, we are so confused. And we heard this a number of times until finally I thought, well, gee, someone needs to check into this and let's see what's going on with that. And then, of course, it took me time and many months to figure Medicare out. And over the years, um, that learning has increased. And so uh, we have seen our whole agency shift to primarily specializing in Medicare because it is so much more confusing than insurances even for people under age 65. And we've made a career for over 20 people here basically explaining a federal government program to people when they become eligible for it. Wow. Well, the good news is I'm not the only one who's confused, so that's that's good news. But that's you know, right. what are the what are maybe the one or two biggest challenges you hear from people that are approaching Medicare eligibility? And I'm, I'm thinking people in the kind of late fifties and you know early sixties, yeah. or especially sixty four, sixty five. What uh, what are, what are the things you hear from them most? The thing that I think people run into that makes Medicare so tricky is your whole working life. You have an HR department that chooses the insurance plans that are going to be offered to the employees 
within mm-hmm. that in- insurance plan, there might be a couple of choices. So perhaps you go to a benefits meeting once a year, and they say, this is how much will come out of your paycheck if you enroll in this PPO plan. Uh, this is how much you could save if you enroll in this HSA-eligible plan. And there's a, just a few choices in there, and you've got this dedicated person, an HR rep at your company, as well as a group insurance agent that sold the policy to your employer to explain to you your choices. And so it's very limited, and it's very easy to figure things out because you've got those dedicated people to help you. Mm-hmm. When you become eligible for Medicare at age 65, the way the insurance works is completely different than the group insurance that you've had. You have literally hundreds of choices between Medigap plans, Medicare Advantage plans, medical savings accounts that you're eligible for with Medicare, but there's no class that you can go to um, that when you turn 65 that says, hey, here's how Medicare works. There's no uh, HR rep that's going to explain to you Medicare. And so suddenly you're eligible for this national health insurance program and you get a big, huge book in the mail and you've got all these choices and that is so overwhelming. And then complicating the problem is you have all of these insurance companies that know you're turning 65 Uh. and will just bump your mailbox with solicitations, and people are actually confused about what pieces of mail they're getting that are related to the actual Medicare benefits they qualify for as uh, opposed to the solicitations, and they're not even sure which pieces they should keep. And so the overwhelming part of that is trying to figure Medicare out and, and sorting aside what are the pieces that I need as opposed to who's just trying to sell me something that I'm not sure I need yet. Uh-huh. Now I see why some people don't forward their mail when they move. I understand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Probably so. Now, are there are, are there some deductibles and copays with Medicare as with most most health insurance policies where you may have to pay, you know, fifty fifty dollar copay or, or uh yes. deductible? Okay. There sure are. So Medicare has two main pieces and there's a hospital piece and an outpatient piece. And you have a deductible when you go in the hospital. So your Part A insurance, you've paid into that your whole working life. And so you may not be paying for anything with Part A when you turn 65. But if you go into the hospital, you're going to pay a deductible, which is um, currently over $1,200. And you probably know if you've ever spent a night in the hospital that it only takes one night to hit Mm -hmm. that deductible. So you would have that deductible to pay. And it's not an annual deductible. If you go in the hospital and you come back out, and then you go back in 60 days or more later, you can pay that again, and so that piece is on you. In addition, your outpatient insurance benefits only cover 80% of your care, and so you would pay what's called the coinsurance, or mm-hmm. um, you might think of it as a copay, but typically mm-hmm. it's, a, it's 20% of all of those things, and then Part B also has a smaller deductible of $166 per year. Um, so there are deductibles and coinsurance that you're paying for Medicare. Even after you pay your premiums for Medicare itself, you have some deductibles and copay that you're responsible for. Okay, you've touched a few times, and I hear a lot about what I call this Medicare alphabet soup. So I think we need to do a little bit of uh, of defining. You know, I hear mostly about this Part B and Part D, so I assume, and you've touched on Part A, there must also be a Part C, and then my big question, of course, is there also a Part E and then F and all the way up to Z? <laughs> yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, this is you know, I'm I'm, I'm expecting a four-hour show here, but we'll, we'll cover the first few, I think, up through D or something. But you know, uh, how many of these are there? There's a number of parts. So we have four parts to Medicare that are the pieces okay. of basic Medicare itself: A, B, C, and D. 
But the part that's really confusing is then that the Medigap plans that you can buy to pay those deductibles and coinsurance that we just discussed, uh-huh. those are called plans A, B, C, D, and go all the way up to N. And those uh. parts of plans are different. And so that part is what really confuses people is, geez, how many parts are there? Gotcha. Okay, so it's it's the plans versus the parts. Okay, so now you're going to help us write a book. You're going to start writing it today if you haven't already. Medicare for Dummies. Okay, let's call it Medicare for Dummies. (laughs) This is going to be a big seller, I can tell you. Uh, How would you define Part A for Dummies? The way I explain Part A to any one of our clients is that Part A is your hospital room and board. So they call it hospital insurance, but you want to think about it as inpatient hospital. So Part A is going to cover your your bed in a semi-private room in the hospital. It's going to cover skilled nursing bed. If you leave the hospital, then you need to go and stay in a skilled nursing facility while you're still recovering. It's going to cover hospice. Um, sometimes there's also home health care that's associated under Part A. But for the most part, the the piece that's going to be easiest for our listeners here to understand is Medicare Part A is for inpatient hospital care. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. That's that's helpful. Okay, now let's do chap- the next chapter on uh, Part B. What does the dummy need to know about Part B? Okay, so Part B is your outpatient insurance. And on your group insurance, if you've had it at an employer, you have this type of outpatient insurance. You go to the doctor, you pay a copay. With Medicare Part B, you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to pay 20%. So Medicare, after that okay. small $166 annual deductible, they are going to pick up 80% of your outpatient costs and you pay the other 20%. And on the surface, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound so bad, except that, strangely enough, some of the things that are are treatments that you receive in a hospital actually fall under Part B. So if you have uh-huh. surgery, you're going to pay 20% of surgery, even though that happens in a hospital. It's performed by a doctor, a physician, a surgeon, and so you're going to pay 20% of that. And you're also going to pay 20% of various treatments you may get in a hospital setting. So although Part B certainly covers what you and I think of as outpatient, like lab work and doctor visits, Mm -hmm. it's also going to be covering um, things like chemotherapy, radiation, dialysis, durable medical equipment, uh, lots of things. And the trickiest part is that that 20%, unlike your group insurance that you've had in the past, where you hit an out-of-pocket maximum and then the insurance company kicks in 100%, You pay that 20% forever. There's no stopping point. So if you have a serious Mm -hmm. health condition um, and you just have original Medicare, your 20% exposure goes on forever. Wow. Okay. That, uh, I will admit, uh, that was confusing. Okay. Now, I know there's a Part D, so tell us what Part C is for dummies. I mean, there's got to be a Part C if we have a Part D, right? Yes, that's right. Part C is the newest um, piece of Medicare um, except for Part D. Part C was also part of a later bill, um, the Balanced mm-hmm. Budget Act, that was signed into law in 1997. And Part C is a way that you can enroll in a private Medicare insurance plan instead of getting your benefits under Medicare Part A and B. And the reason that Part C came about is that sometimes – People would have Medicare A and B, and what they're paying for Part B already, costing them, say, approximately $105 out of pocket, they're living Mm -hmm. on Social Security, they couldn't afford to buy a Medigap plan to cover that 20% we talked about. And so... 
Part C is um, a way that you can enroll into what's called Medicare Advantage. And you can enroll in this plan, and then you agree to use that plan's doctors and their network, and you get your benefits through the plan itself. Um, sometimes it rolls in Part D as in drugs. And so the main thing for this show, I guess, to take away is mm -hmm. that you don't have to enroll in Part C. Part C is an option that you can use to agree to get your Medicare A, B, and D benefits from a private health insurance carrier that's going to cost you less than probably what you would pay for a Medigap plan, but you're also giving up some freedoms. You're agreeing to use a, a certain network, which might be an HMO or a PPO, and so Part C is optional. You, you can enroll in that if you like that as opposed to getting your original Medicare benefits from A and B. Okay, so I'm starting to get the hang of this, so that Part C stands for Advantage. Okay, C, Advantage, yeah. okay, I'll figure it out. And, and if I were to simplify that one even further for, for the dummies, among the dummies, uh, that would be kind of like an HMO or PPO providing the, the Medicare benefits uh, that might be at a lower cost than uh, Medicare as a, as a national insurance is doing. That's exactly right. Cool. Okay. Part D, you had touched on a little bit, and I think if my notes are all correct here, I can't catch up on all my notes in this time. You're just going to tell us. This has to do with prescriptions, right? And this was, you helped put this in place one year after you started your agency, as if I got the dates right. That's right. So we used to help people with Medicare, and there was no Part D insurance. But then in 2006, when Part D was created, yes, we were part of that original 40 million people who were aging into Part D in terms of they were already in Medicare, and then the enrollment period came around. And Part D is just what I would tell your listeners is to think of Part D as a standalone card in your wallet that you present at the pharmacy so mm -hmm. that you can pay a copay for your medications instead of paying 100% out of pocket. Okay, and so therefore, and this is an add-on, so it's kind of like a rider on an insurance policy, so I'm buying Part D if I want to have it, and I don't necessarily yeah. have to have it, correct? You don't have okay. to, that's right. It's voluntary, although there are some late enrollment penalties if you wait to enroll oh, into it later on. It can cost you a little bit extra to do it that way, um, and that's so that they can get healthy people enrolling in Part D to help fund the program for people who have lots of medications. But it's an excellent program to have, even though it is optional. You never know what your prescription needs will be down the road. So it is a part of Medicare that it can provide such great coverage in the event that you end up needing some expensive medications. Wow. Okay. Now, let me let me cover one more, and we, boy, we are falling way behind. There's so many good good things you're telling me here. So, uh, if you were writing this next book on uh, Medicare for for dummies, uh, why would you have a chapter on donut holes? What the heck does that have to do with Medicare? <laughs> The donut hole is a term that people came up with to explain what under Medicare Part D is called the coverage gap. So okay. when the Part D came about, they have to come up with a way to pay for it. And mm -hmm. one of those ways, as I mentioned, is you have a late enrollment penalty. So if you don't sign up and pay into the program while you're healthy, you're going to pay more for it later. But they also needed a way to just make sure that people wouldn't say, oh, great, I have this coverage now under Medicare. I can get any drug I want, and it's only going to cost me a copay, so why wouldn't I have my doctor just prescribe me any old wonderful brand-name drug? 
-hmm. Medicare funds about 90% of the cost of Part D. So although you pay a monthly premium for a Part D plan, mm -hmm. um, they fund uh, the greater majority out of the Medicare trust fund for the cost of your prescription drugs. So they pay the insurance okay. company that provides the Part D, and so do you. And mm -hmm. so one way that they can help to make sure that you have some skin in the game uh, and that you would be motivated to help keep Medicare's overall drug costs down is that at a certain point in the year, if your total drug spending goes past a certain limit, you fall into the coverage gap or what is called the donut hole. And during that part of the year, you pay more for the prescription drugs than you did before. It's a higher percentage that falls on you. And in this manner, they get you to participate in maybe asking your doctor to say, hey, can I get a generic for this? Or, or is there an alternative that would be generic? Because you want to keep your own copay costs down. You don't want to hit the coverage gap and have that extra spending. And Medicare wants you to be motivated to do that, to help Medicare save money overall in the program. So the donut hole is simply a time of the year in Part D where some people with um, spending beyond a certain amount will have a higher cost for their prescription drugs. Okay. I think I half understand that. So there's one that I'm going to need more, more help with. But before we continue, just in case you too just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealthina Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive. Or if you missed prior shows, that archive is wealthdna.us. Today our guest is Danielle Kunkel, a VP and co-founder of Boomer Benefits, an agency that specializes in Medicare-related insurance products. She is also a Medicare supplement accredited advisor and a regular contributor to the industry publications on Medicare-related insurance products for consumers. And if you just tuned in, you'll be able to go back to the beginning of the show, which you absolutely will want to do. The same link that will got you here will take you to the show a few minutes after we archive the show. Our producers really make it pretty easy. Uh, Danielle, I'm going to compress a number of the questions I have kind of into a little bit simpler ones or shorter ones, but if I'm preparing for uh, Medicare, and, and, and admittedly I know very little bit about it, and hopefully people know a lot more than I do, uh, but for example, with Social Security, there are a number of these calculators that can help you with the 250 different ways to apply are there similar calculators or resources for Medicare that might help me understand A through D and A through N with the plans that we talked about? There's a little bit of information in terms of reading on the Medicare website and the handbook that they send you. And there mm -hmm. are a calculator online at Medicare.gov for the Part D portion where you can enter your prescriptions and it will tell you exactly which Part D plan will be the least expensive for you and give you the best copays for your particular medications. But in oh, terms okay. of just enrolling in uh, Medicare A and B and whether you need to right now or you should stay on your group insurance or should you delay and then once you do enroll, what your Medigap plans are, that is a little bit more on your shoulders. Um, there's not, Like I said, there's not a class that you get to go to that's going to cover all these things. So you want to um, just make sure ahead of time, before you turn 65, about three or four months out, start doing your reading. Go online, read through the handbook, write down your questions, read online about Medicare. Um, we have a website with great information, but Medicare.gov itself also has great information. Start to educate yourself about what A and B are, how much it's going to cost you based on your income, and then get some quotes for the supplemental or the Medicare Advantage coverage so that you can just start thinking about, hmm, if I go ahead and get on Medicare now at age 65, what kind of monthly expense am I looking at for that? Got it. Okay. 
But your company obviously does a lot of that, helping people, and it's not just for Texans. I think you had mentioned that it's, it's as many as 40 different states. Um, you know, how, how do people get to know some of that stuff through you? Are you doing some seminars or webinars maybe that would uh, be able to help people coach, you know, coach them through some of this stuff? Yes, there's a number of ways that you can reach out for help. We are actually in the process of launching a webinar program that will begin in April where people can go to our website to enroll in what we call Medicare 101, which will be Mm -hmm. just an online class that you can attend. It will probably be 45 minutes to an hour, and we'll be explaining in detail all of these pieces so that people can start putting together that information. Um, But you also can do a lot of reading at the Boomer Benefits website, and we have a Mm -hmm. contact form on there where you can put your information in and send that over. And you'll actually get to work with one of my team, Um, and these people know Medicare inside and out. We've been doing this for 10 years, and so we've had plenty of time to make all the mistakes that we need to make to where we have all the stuff down pat and and almost any question that you could throw at us about Medicare. Uh, we actually do a lot of consulting with people who are trying to decide whether they should leave their group insurance um, or go on Medicare right now, and we can help you with those figures. And sometimes we'll, it may turn out that you should stick with what you have, and we'll be the first people to tell you that. But what we do, the first thing we do with people on the phone is really just a lot of what you and I are doing here, Ron. We do education about A and B and what they cover, and, mm-hmm. and then we help people decide what type of supplemental coverage or Part D or Part C may be appropriate for them in their individual health needs and, and also in their budget. So whatever fits them, um, there's a lot of factors there, and we can, we can help boil that down um, by just going through the pieces and helping people to understand what applies to them. Okay, I've got some questions on supplemental, but before we do that, I have one more dumb question, uh, and I want to reiterate there. If I'm turning 65, that I need to, to I, I should be, unless I've got some exemptions, basically at that time filing for uh, Medicare, and it's actually uh, then, uh, this is something you had mentioned, I guess it starts the first of the month that I turned 65, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then yes. you mentioned there's an annual enrollment period. Is that the same period that we have for Obamacare, so the same dates for Medicare and Obamacare? The dates are different, but it is at the same time of year in the fall. So your what's called the annual election period for Medicare occurs from October 15th to December 7th. And that is a time of year when you can enroll in or disenroll in a Medicare Part D drug plan or a Medicare Part C Advantage plan. Um, it is not the time of year that you enroll in Medicare itself. So that mm-hmm. annual election period is designed for people who are already on Medicare and are needing to make a change to either Part C or D. Um, you yourself can apply for Medicare uh, as early as six months before you turn 65. And so your, you can apply ahead of time. Uh, I usually recommend about two to three months out is when you'll contact Social Security, either on their website or their phone number, enroll in Medicare Part A and B, and then that coverage will begin on the first of the month that you turn 65 for most people. Okay, perfect. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there are fixed dates as opposed to depending on when the elections are, as has happened with Obamacare yes. in the past. So, um, you know, politics tend to get involved in a lot of this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about the costs and coverage. Uh, tell us a little bit about supplemental insurance uh, policies available. Are they designed to cover some of these costs of copays and these gaps in coverage? They sure are. So people wanted a way right from the beginning, as soon as Medicare rolled out, there were insurance companies that designed what's called Medigap. 
and it will pay for some of those things like that hospital deductible, the Part B deductible, and that 20% that we talked about is so important that um, a Medigap policy will cover that so that you're not exposed to that unending 20% in the event that you have a serious illness. And so you can purchase a Medigap policy that will let you um, go and see any doctor that participates in Medicare, any provider, which are over 800,000 nationwide, and it will pay for those things so that you don't walk in to a doctor's office or or a surgery uh, owing 20%. And also you can choose um, different plans within there. Some of them will cover the hospital deductible, um, and then they have some that may cost a little bit uh, less that don't cover the deductible if you're willing to absorb that. And so there's some choices there for you to be able to choose a plan that fits your budgets and your needs. Well, now, I, you had already mentioned that there are, like, plans with names through, like, A to N, so I'm assuming there's going to be a huge range in this answer that I'm going to ask you a question on, which is, you know, what are some of the typical costs of these policies or a range of policies, and what kinds of additional coverage do they provide? And obviously, we're going to be talking a large range here, but feel free to mm-hmm. share at least what that might look like. The most popular plan for many years has been what's called the Medigap Plan F, and that one will actually cover all of the pieces that normally you would pay for. So you're still going to pay for your Medicare Part B premium, and you're going to pay for your Medicare Part D drug plan, but it's going to cover the deductibles and coinsurance under Medicare Part A and B that you would owe. And so essentially it provides you what we would call first-dollar coverage you never pay anything for any Medicare-covered service on this. So if you go to the hospital, it pays the deductible. When you have your first outpatient service of the year, it pays the deductible. It pays the 20%. And so you could go and have a doctor visit, and you won't owe anything. You could have open-heart surgery, and it's going to pay the whole 20% and all deductibles associated with that. So many times we have people that come out of those types of surgeries, and they owe absolutely nothing. So it's really phenomenal coverage. And I would say here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, someone might pay anywhere from, say, 120 to $150 a month for that kind of Medigap coverage that pays okay. after Medicare. But there's also plans F and N, which are, I'm sorry, G and N, which are popular, that cost a little bit less because you agree to do a little bit of cost sharing, and you could get those um, at considerably less cost than that. So there's some great options um, that you can explore based on your budget. Cool. Okay, I think I first found the first logic in naming here. F is first dollar coverage, because I was thinking F was something we'd want to avoid if we didn't do well in school. Uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> there's just there's these naming conventions. I got to admit, this is going to take a little getting used to. So I do, I, you know, I applaud your idea of having some webinars. I think it'd be great, both some that can be listened to later, as well as obviously live ones where people can ask you questions. Uh, a fantastic you idea, bet. because I think it's going to be absolutely necessary. Of course, you could have a full time career doing this. Uh, there's there's <laughs> Good. risk with that. Um, now, one other thing on these supplemental policies, well, actually a couple more. Uh, I, I've already mentioned to our producer we're going to run a little bit late here. Uh, does that company then file those claims for me so that I don't have to go file something with uh, with Medicare and when they come back and say, well, we don't cover this portion, you owe us that, then I file that? I mean, I, does that stuff get coordinated and the, the provider of the supplemental insurance handles that for me? It sure does. Medigap plans are so easy, the easiest type of insurance that we've ever worked with. When you go for whichever procedure that you are having with your health care provider, he files the claim with Medicare. Medicare passes on the remainder to your supplement company, and you'll get a statement in the mail saying, here's what Medicare paid, here's what we paid. 
And if you owe something like a deductible, then that will get applied and your doctor will bill you for the difference until that's been met. Um, but for the most part, uh, even on Medigap plans where your sharing is a little bit higher, generally you're going to get a statement that says everything has been covered. And in a Plan F scenario, you definitely would receive that. And so you don't ever have to file a claim unless Medicare were to deny something or um, you needed there was a question as to whether that could be covered, then your agent could help you with actually filing a claim directly with Medicare, but that doesn't happen very often. It's pretty seamless for you to use. Okay, so it's in some cases this is going to be cheaper than hi me hiring an assistant to do that work and take on the liability, of course, of the cost itself. So uh, very good to, to know. Now, if I find that I'm spending more on supplemental um, uh, coverage than what my plans were, were doing, can I then step up to a higher level of supplemental coverage during the next annual? So let's say, I, and I don't know these well enough, but let's say I was on G, which is uh, – as you said, a little bit less expensive because there are some co-pays. Uh, can I then move up to an F coverage in the next uh, annual enrollment period? I'm really, really glad that you asked this question because it is one of the most common uh, misconceptions that people will confuse. And okay. the answer is no. The annual um, enrollment period in the fall is only for you to be able to change your drug plan or your Advantage plan. Your supplement that you get has an open enrollment period that's just one time in your life, six months from the date that you enroll in your Part B, you can enroll in a Medigap plan with no health underwriting and you'll absolutely be guaranteed the coverage. If you live in the plan service area and you pay the premium during that six-month window, you can enroll even if you have a dread disease that's costing a lot of money. After that window, in most states, wow. if, when you want to change your, your supplement, you can do that any time of year, but you have to pass medical health underwriting. Now, there are a couple of states like California and Oregon where they have a birthday rule where once a year during the, um, when, the month of your birth, you can change to a like supplemental policy or one with lesser coverage, but not with one that has more coverage. And they do this, of course, to protect the insurance companies from uh, people only buying the richer coverage after they're already sick. And so um, you want to be very careful if you think you're going to need Medigap coverage, and, and most people do need some sort of supplemental coverage, that initial window, six months from the time that you get your Part B, or two months from the time that you leave your group plan and, and roll over to your Part B as primary, that's when you can get your plan that will require no underwriting. Any other time of year, you're going to pass a, have to pass some health underwriting um, unless a, a special circumstance applies that your agent could walk you through. Most people have to um, have those health questions to go through. Wow. Okay. So I waited too long in the show to ask the million-dollar question. Very, very uh, great information. <laughs> really appreciate sure. that. Sure. Maybe we can discuss the election periods at a future date. Yeah, no, it's, you know, very clearly we're going to have to cover more on this supplemental, but I think we've got a pretty good foundation, except for two things we absolutely need to cover before we, we, we uh, uh, sign out here. Number one is give us, again, the website and the phone number. You can reach Boomer Benefits online at www.boomerbenefits.com. And that boomer is because we help baby boomers as they age into Medicare and, of course, their sure. parents as well. So it should be easy to remember, boomerbenefits.com. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, if you prefer to reach out by phone, you can call our main line, uh, which is 1-855-732-9055. 
and that will put you in touch with our receptionist. Just let her know that you are needing some help with your Medicare, and she'll route you to one of the terrific agents on my team that can help answer your questions and explain all the ins and outs of uh, Medicare to you. Okay, and then one of the other tips you mentioned is uh, you do have a contact page on bonumberbenefits.com that you don't have to call in. You can also get into the queue and get a lot of your questions resolved that way. Now, the other big question. We've covered a lot of aspects of retirement insecurity and specifically Medicare today. Are there some key ones you'd like to add or emphasize that uh, I've missed because I know there's hundreds of topics, but what are some, you know, uh, some key ones you'd like to add or emphasize? Well, two of the most important ones we've covered kind of here at the end of the show. Don't miss your open enrollment window when you can get a Medigap plan that first six months. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have your annual election period in the fall. So for your listeners that may already be on Medicare, one of the things I'd like to add is that when you're enrolled in a drug plan, that drug plan and Advantage plans too, they refile their benefits with Medicare every year in the summertime. And so your uh-huh. cost, your premium your benefits, your drug formulary, all of those change each calendar year. You're going to receive a packet in the mail in September every year. It's called the Annual Notice of Change. So if you're already on Medicare Part C or D, you need to look at that packet very carefully. Make sure that you're okay with the new premium for next year if that has changed or gone up. You don't want to miss that annual election window when you could change it. More importantly, what we see happen over and over is that people get that packet it's overwhelming. They don't want to look at all this mail. They set it aside. They don't look at it again until January, and then they miss the window. And inside that packet, it may be telling you about some drugs that are being discontinued from the formulary. And so it's so important that people on Medicare review that coverage every year in September. Make sure that the plan that you're on is still going to cover all your important medications for the next year, because if you were to lose access to an expensive brand name medication, this can add thousands of dollars out of pocket for you. Um, So that's one thing we didn't cover that I would emphasize it's so important once you're on Medicare to review that coverage every year in September for your Part D and or Part C if you're enrolled in that. Wow. So there's another million-dollar question uh, by just leaving it open for you. You've already touched on it, and I'm glad you did, which is we need to get you back on. We will want to talk about Medicare, and what we will probably do is start the show by reemphasizing some of these most important points. We'll encourage people to go back and listen to the other show, uh, but we will need to talk more about these supplemental plans and take some real examples, and uh, especially on this part where if you don't file you know, right away or things change, you know, some, some things that is, I hate to do it, but we're going to have to do a few horror stories, I think, to make sure that people are aware how important it is to review that stuff uh, each year. You bet. I'd be glad to do it for you. All right. Thank you for joining us, Danielle, and look forward to having you back on and uh, going through some, a little bit more detail and uh, really shared some great information. appreciate your help today. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I certainly learned a lot and took plenty of notes during the show. If a listener asked me for one or two key points we covered at the top of my list would be how little I knew about Medicare before the show. Now, in in theory, Social Security is far more complex, but I've already factored those into my retirement planning, So, but so far have not factored in health care costs. Clearly a major gap in my plan. I would like to hear about you and your concerns about Medicare so we could compile that list for Danielle to come back on and uh, we can all benefit from these insights in real-life situations. Another key insight that uh, came to me is we, when we talked about Medicare is it's time to bring on Social Security experts again. At the end of 2015, a few changes were implemented. The coattails from unrelated legislation 
Isn't that funny how that happens? Which reduced the number of filing options available and may require you to revise your Social Security filing strategy. And as far as I know, anyone already collecting Social Security would not be impacted. And but we, you know, kind of uh, also hope that some of the changes they made will actually delay the inevitable reduction in Social Security benefits in the future as they run out of money. The third key point from this show: we really didn't get a chance to cover best way to minimize the negative impact of healthcare expenses to stay healthy. If you have some health or wealth, uh, health or wealth, yeah, hopefully you do, but health or weight related resolutions for 2016, maybe today's show will help provide some additional motivation to stick with those resolutions. I'll raise my coffee cup right now and propose a toast to your health. Now, one of the best things you can do to minimize the risk of running out of money during your retirement. Tune into the Wealth DNA Radio Show every second and fourth Monday of the month. And remember, the same DNA framework we talk about on the show for building your wealth applies to improving your health. Those same three obstacles that prevent the majority of people from becoming wealthy are the same obstacles that prevent many from improving their health. The show, of course, was a big step in moving in the right direction. If you're not familiar with the DNA framework, I highly recommend going back to our archive and listening to some of the earlier shows. Regular listeners know that our objective is to share the fundamentals of investing, provide great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to help you and one million other people become millionaires, and we occasionally cover topics to avoid your spending those millions unnecessarily. Today's show is a great example, like knowing when to apply, and what it covers. Joining us uh, for our next show, when we double the price of listening, I have to remind you that will, uh, and that'll, by the way, help you appreciate the quote from Dean Kamen I shared at the beginning. Let me repeat that quote. Nothing has value. Real value has no, cl- has no cost. So let me start that one over. Nothing that has value, real value, has no cost. Not freedom, not food, not shelter, not health care. Now, if you missed the part of today's show, you want to go back or you want to recommend it to some friends, the link in the announcement will take you to the archive version. And of course, you'll always find the full list of fast shows there on that archive, wealthdna.us. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, for helping us put together this show. Next Wealth DNA Radio Show will be the second Monday of March. That's Monday, March 14th, 9 a.m. Arizona time. Same place and same time, unless you live in the 48 of the United States where you change your clocks. For you, the show will be one hour later if you change your clocks. Our European listeners will go through that confusion later in the month. And remember, the price of listening will double and still be worth about three times as much. We'll be talking about another aspect of retirement, solo 401k accounts, one of the least known retirement accounts in the U.S. with the most liberal rules. So if you qualify for setting one up or you don't know, you don't want to miss that show. Our guest will be working on a special deal for our listeners. I hope to announce that at the beginning of the show and again at the end. The full lineup of guests and topics is on WealthDNA.us, and you'll find the archive of past shows there, too, of course. If you have comments, questions about today's show or others, send an email to me, ron at WealthDNA.us, or, of course, follow us, The Ronald on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and minimizing your health care costs. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. 
You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.